0: I'm a confidence coach, a business mentor, a speaker, an author, and I am obsessed with women standing up, showing up, and creating their confidence. And I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. Hello my love. Okay, today's episode we have a special guest, gorgeous Danny who is a family lawyer and divorce attorney. I met Danny, gosh, I want to say 3 or 4 years ago at a event that we were both at. Beautiful woman, gorgeous energy, and I wasn't sure of what she did until just recently we reconnected and she is getting ready to write a book and she is working with families who are moving into divorce. Now, when we think about divorce, we think like, oh, it's horrible. Divorce, debt, disease, death. It's with all the five D's, right? And how Danny discusses divorce and how she supports families and how women in particular move through divorce in this episode is going to completely shift the way that you see divorce. Now, this episode is for you if you've already had a divorce. If you're currently in a relationship where you're miserable and you're like, are we going to have to get a divorce? Even if you're not married, but you're in a relationship and you know you need to complete the relationship, but you're holding on. Uh, If you have children, she has three kids and she's a single mother now. She had a divorce, so she was a kid who went through divorce as a child and then got married, went through divorce as an adult. She has so much experience with this and her incredible ability to have a divorce and have three kids and be amicable with her partner And now she's helping people do this. So she helps families that are moving through divorce. She helps educate people around this. And her approach is one I have never heard of before. Never ever heard of a divorce lawyer or a lawyer taking an approach like hers. You will be shocked and surprised in a beautiful way. The holistic way that she does this, the no bullshit way that she does this. Lots of controversial topics that she discussed on this episode You can hear more from Danny if you click the link in the show notes. You can check out her website, get in contact with her. She is amazing. And her book is going to be coming out shortly, which I cannot wait to have that book and be able to have her on again. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Danny. Danny is on the podcast. Welcome, my love.
1: Thank you so much, Erica. So happy to be with you.
0: I'm so happy you're here with all the pink. We got the pink going on. your have got a bit of pink. I want to pretend that you hung that up just for this episode, though. No, no I, I definitely are the bird. Yeah, that's great. actually for you. That is beautiful. If you're not watching us, you're missing out. Okay, so Danny, I am so excited about this episode. We've known each other for a little while now. We are yeah. the beautiful business chicks. Yeah couple of years ago. Hit it off. Because are you 83 baby as well? Yeah. Yeah, girl. Okay. So big <laughs> four O's this year. And when I met you, you were like, I help women and I help families with divorce. I'm a family lawyer, divorce lawyer, attorney. And I was like, hell yeah, women need your help. And then through the grapevine, hearing about all the amazing women that I know in the circles that we all play in of the people that you've been supporting and yeah. all the research that you have on this. and I heard you're possibly writing a book. Is that right? That's right. Still
1: early days, but yeah. Easy. yeah.
0: Okay, so tell me about, for those that are listening and don't know your work, what is it that you do? Who do you help? And what is the situation with divorce? So I'm a family lawyer. I own my own law
1: firm and just hire women. And there's 12 of us at the moment. And so the whole idea is that we're, you know, working towards keeping families out of court. That's the whole goal, right? So the idea is that when you go to a lawyer, you automatically assume that it's going to be this big fight, very expensive, and you're on the fast track to court, right? So a lot of people avoid going to get advice from a lawyer because they want to avoid that outcome. Yeah, yeah. So what we've decided to do is be very proactive about trying to put in different modalities, and different methods into coming to resolutions for families. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that means you actually have to be more confrontational. It doesn't mean that you're being passive, right? Because it's not easy to get in a room with a husband and wife that are at each other.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And say,
1: come on, let's settle this. Let's put your kids' needs first. Let's settle this. Sometimes it's easier for a lawyer to hide behind a judge, to hide behind a barrister in court, and mm-hmm. let the process play out. And obviously mm-hmm. there's a financial benefit for lawyers when families go to court. You make a hell of a lot more money, that's yeah. the reality. But I couldn't sleep at night knowing that. Mm-hmm. I went out on my own eight years ago, so at 32, and I decided, well, there's gotta be a different way. And that's what I've been doing for the last eight years, and I absolutely love it. And it's definitely been driven by my own childhood, my experience of divorce as a child, and also my experience of divorce as an adult. Wow. I think that's made me a better lawyer. Mm. Definitely, because I can really relate to my clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said about having firsthand experience. So you've got the view now of being the child that's going through parents divorcing, and you also had a divorce. How has your experience, I guess, helped you shape that? that divorce for yourself and Mm. something you learned from that, that now you take into your clients? Well, my divorce experience as
1: a child was very dramatic. Mm. Things were really difficult in the early 90s. You know, we had a huge recession and my dad wasn't coping. And on a Thursday morning, the sheriff came to repossess our home. Wow. And my mom wasn't aware of how dire the situation was. So she went into a panic. She had three very young children I was the eldest, and I overheard her in the bathroom speaking to someone who I then understood was her lawyer saying, You need to help me. What do I do here? They're packing up my stuff. Mm. I've got nowhere to go. I've got three girls. And I could tell that he wasn't giving her any comfort whatsoever, this lawyer. Basically, well, there's nothing I can do. Just go with the process, right? And then my mum came out of the bathroom and she saw me standing there, you know, bewildered. I was seven. And she knelt down and grabbed me by the shoulders and said, mummy needs you to be a big girl right now. I need your help. I need you to be a big girl, right? And so that's always stuck with me. It's definitely shaped, you know, who I am as a person. But what stuck out for me in terms of how it's shaped my career is, well, hang on, why couldn't that lawyer give her some more comfort Mm. or some assistance? And also, where the fuck was my lawyer? Yeah. Who was looking out for me? Because I was scared. Yeah. No one was there, you know, like making sure that we were okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I really decided from a very young age that this was something I wanted to do. I didn't understand what it meant to be a lawyer, but I understood that I wanted to help mums and kids that were in that exact situation that we found ourselves in because we were then homeless for quite a while. Wow. You know, going from friends and family couch surfing it took us a while to get back on our feet things were very very hard and I have just a huge amount of admiration for my mum you know how she managed that so I very quickly became very independent very determined child (laughs) (laughs) and I wanted to make sure that I was never in that position that my mum was in right so really focused on my education and was really ambitious which was great And so I thought that I would have avoided being in that situation myself. And then fast forward to 38. I'm now a single mum of three myself. Different context, absolutely. And very fortunate that me and my ex-husband have managed to be very amicable and really doing, you know, a kick-ass job at co-parenting, I I would say. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're learning from my work. Yeah, Of course, there's always triggers and things that come up, absolutely, and I've made mistakes. But we just refocus back on, okay, hang on, we've got these three kids together. They didn't decide this
0: for themselves, so we've got to put them at the forefront. Can you imagine if couples thought like that? Obviously, not everyone thinks like that. And I know in the work, and we were talking before we started recording, in the work that I do, I'm seeing people that need to get a divorce. A hundred percent. They do not need to be in the relationships they're in. They just aren't willing to admit that. Or on the other side, the women that join us or listen to this podcast, they've been divorced and now they're single and they think they ruined their lives and their kids are kind of in the aftermath. So I feel like we've got the audience that you're talking to right now of like, Mm -hmm. I'm in the, am I about to get a divorce? Yeah. Or I already did get a divorce. So with what you noticed and what you see, what is one of the things that you feel is, is the big issue? Why can't people have this amicable, amazing divorce process that you and your ex-partner have been able to do, which obviously benefits the kids? And even if you don't have kids, why do we struggle so much with making divorce not be so damn messy?
1: <laughs> I think, you know, my answer might be a bit controversial. Right. I think people really struggle to take personal responsibility for what they bring to a conflict. Mm. So they get stuck in victim mentality of poor me and what she's done to me or she's done to me. And that's difficult because I obviously deal with clients who've been in domestic violence situations. Yeah. And it would be fair to say, how dare you say to someone in a domestic violence situation to take personal responsibility. Yeah. But even in that situation, I do think we have to take responsibility for attracting that partner into our life, not because you should feel any more guilt or any more shame, but because it will empower you out of that victim mentality to say, this is what's happened. I, for some reason, attracted this into my life. I take responsibility for that. And now mm-hmm. it's time to move forward and see how I can do things differently and role model that to my kids. Yeah. If we stay in victim mentality, what we end up doing is hating our ex-partner more than we actually love our children. Oh that ooh, girl, hold on a minute. Say that again. That is so good. It's scary. Wow. That's what I see. I see the, the impetus for revenge to be stronger than the love for the kids. And so we need to elevate the self-love and the love for the children mm. well above that desire for revenge or that victim mentality or that poor me. And so that's not easy to hear. And I do challenge my clients in that way because the first thing I ask a client when they come and meet with me is I say, so what brings you here to see the likes of me? No one wants to come see me. Yeah. Let's be real, right? No one wants to go to the mechanic to get something fixed. No one wants to come see me, right? (laughs) And so if they're straight into, well, he or she had an affair and they've done this to me and done that to me, then I can see straight away, we're going to have a lot of work to do Mm -hmm. and all this amicably. Because when we're stuck in that emotion of revenge, victim mentality, we're on a fast track to court Mm -hmm. because every little issue is not going to be easily compromised. Every little issue is going to be a big ordeal. And I've yeah. seen over the years people writing letters back and forth, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, over the worst one was a water pressure hose. <laughs> like, you know, fighting over the water pressure hose because they both wanted to keep it. Wow. Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah. By Who time. gives
1: a shit? <laughs> right? So I'm very different in terms of the way I approach the law is I really do see it as that I am the gatekeeper of the court system as a lawyer. Yeah, And it's actually my job to give a reality check to my client and say, hang on, what are we doing this for? Mm, such a good question. What are we doing this for? So yeah, I'm not pro-marriage or pro-divorce. I just think that we have an opportunity to be really intentional about how we approach our marriage and our divorce, mm, mm. right? Yeah a lot of people avoid divorce you said a lot of you know your listeners are unhappy in their marriages but they just stay in it because they think that's what they should do right and i think that especially when it comes to children people think divorce ruins children mm. it really doesn't the research is very clear that conflict affects children not divorce so you can have conflict in your marriage which includes passive aggressive kind of behavior you know i meet couples that haven't spoken in two years. They text each other even when they're in the same bed. God, that's you know, wild. You don't think your kids are watching that? Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer that divorce is not what affects children. It's conflict. Mm. You can have conflict in your marriage. You can have conflict in your divorce. But really what our kids need is to see us happy and healthy. Mm. That's what they need to see. And if we're in a marriage and we're walking around with resentment, mm-hmm and napping, that's what's affecting them much more than the word divorce.
0: I know. And I wonder what, like, it feels, and I'd love to hear what you think about this. There's this belief that you failed, or, you know, culturally, religious wise, yeah. you failed in your life. If you get a divorce, what will people think of you? Your family right. failed. And there is a lot of stigma. And I can't believe in 2023 that we still have stigma on that yeah. because. Yeah. You're miserable. So like you said, you're in resentment, you're in frustration because Hamish and I do this power couples workshop and we have it this weekend and some of the research is like people will stay in unhappy marriages for 12 years and the average age was like 40 or 45 for you to get divorced. So you're unhappy at 32 and you wait 12 years. That's That's right. Wild. Yeah, and because of
1: shame, of obligation guilt, And so to those people, I say, just go get that advice Mm. well before you even do anything about it, because the advice is empowering. Mm. So people start to get unhappy, and then they think, well, I can't do it on my own. And they convince themselves that it's too difficult, it's impossible. But if they have that education to say, well, actually, it is possible, and I'm going to be okay. Mm then it empowers you to either really dig in and make the marriage work or not. Yeah. At least you're not making a decision out of fear. You're making it out of a place of empowerment and education. That's what I would want for all women. And that's really my motivation with with the book is just, you know, my mum, when she was standing in that bathroom talking to her lawyer, there is no way that she could have gone and found me and afforded me as her lawyer. He couldn't tell. Wow. Okay. so how am I helping the notional idea of my mum? Mm-hmm. So the idea is, you know, if I can get some free education or affordable education out there for women to understand their rights mm-hmm. and to understand where they actually stand, then I feel like I'm achieving what I always wanted to achieve.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's an accessible way to get this information. And I can imagine if someone's on the other side, the the women that I've spoken to, divorce just feels like, I mean, isn't it one of the five D's of yeah. life? It's like death and debt and divorce and disease. And it's in there, That's those right. words. So it, it isn't a sexy word. It isn't a word that yeah. makes you feel like, woohoo, let's do this. It's tied to so much. And so yeah. I can imagine which is very sad, but there aren't many lawyers that see things the way you do. And I think your experience is unique to that and your heart and your desire because you could just make a shitload of money, go to court, not write a book. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't is so awesome. If someone's listening and they're not from Australia and they can't contact you, how do people know where to go? What are the red flags of like where not to go or the things that you should look out for, I guess, if you're, you know, your mm-hmm. mom would have needed with that lawyer that she had? You mm-hmm.
1: would have been mm-hmm. like, Don't call him. (laughs) That's right. I think most people choose their lawyer from, you know, just word of mouth, their girlfriend, their auntie, whoever's been through it. Yeah. And I think that's fine. But I think we should be more deliberate with the questions we ask our lawyer in that first chat. First of all, any lawyer should be willing to talk to you free of charge for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think that women really need to lean into their gut instinct at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. And start to ask questions like, well, how do you keep families out of court? I don't want to spend $200,000 on going to court. I'd rather put food on the table for my kids. Mm. How are you going to help me do that? And people are scared to do that. You know, like there's something about society where we elevate some professions. It's like, well, we've just got to listen to what they say. Yeah. And I don't think we should do that. This is your life, your money. I think it's very appropriate. To ask a lawyer some difficult questions from the beginning and see how they cope with that. Yeah. And if they say, look, you know, court's just usually inevitable, then run. Yeah. Run. Um. It's not inevitable. The only time court is inevitable, if you have very young children that are at risk, a safety risk, then yeah. yes, I will run to the court for assistance. Yeah. 100%. Every other situation, it's avoidable. Yeah. Wow. You've got to understand once you're in court, you are allowing a stranger. A judge is a stranger. They're just a human. There's nothing special about them. Yes, yeah. they're very smart. But they're a stranger who's had a very often privileged life. Mm-hmm. And you're going to allow that stranger to make decisions about your life and your kids and your money. I would avoid that at all costs. Mm. Yeah, Even if it means compromising on a couple of things that you don't think you should, I think you're better off that way, at least having some control.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Getting your ego punched in the face, it's like, that's okay. You're going to be fine. Something that I noticed in my program in particular, after they've started working on themselves in our coaching program, Mm. I'll get women that'll be like, oh my God, I think I'm an asshole. I think I'm the asshole in the relationship. And Mm. this comes from them believing their whole life or their whole marriage that their husband's an asshole, right? That's true. And they'll just come to this epiphany. Nobody's taking them there, but they're finding it through uncovering their beliefs and their thoughts and their life and their trauma. And they start unraveling and they're like, I'm the asshole. And I can't tell you, Danny, how many relationships, if you really believe he did this to me and this is he's so bad. And this is why I hate reality TV, because it's so, so yeah. much bullshit. Like, she's the bitch and she's the slut and that person's the that. And I'm like, you guys are so silly. So we're framing our partners in a way and we're coming into a room with a lawyer and saying, he's an asshole. He cheated on me. That's right. And I think that throughout the work, they start to realize, who was I being? How was I acting? How did I magnetize this relationship? What did I allow? All these things. That's Do you feel like if people if women in particular or relationships if they did more work on themselves and they let go of their anger and their victimhood and their blame and shaming and all that shit women and people in relationship could get to this amicable place I think that again this is going to be controversial but
1: I think there's a lot to be said about the masculine and feminine energy yeah that we've lost our way with that yeah and you know I'm very fortunate. I feel so lucky that the feminist movement has led me to a life that I can live, which is very different to what my grandmother lived, right? Mm. And she made a lot of sacrifices coming to Australia so that I can have this life. And I'm the first woman in my entire family to go past year 10. Wow. So it's not lost on me what the women in our past have done for us. Mm. The reality is, though, what it's led to us is women – doing everything, carrying the thought load of a family, being a breadwinner, being a primary caregiver. And so what happens is because we start to feel overwhelmed and exhausted, we get very resentful. And I think we unknowingly emasculate our male partner. I do. Because the natural state of being for a man and a woman is for the man to lead And for the woman to be able to surrender into her feminine energy. And so once we start having children and we're doing it all and it's just easier, you know what? I'm just going to do that because by the time he works it out, (laughs) I just, you know, like I may as well just do it. And then we just pile it on and pile it on and pile it on. And I think we have created a very difficult situation for ourselves. Mm. I'm not saying it's all on us. But I do think there's something to be said for taking responsibility for being a martyr. Mm. I think that's a huge problem right now. Yeah. Right. And so I can definitely relate to that. The last few years of my marriage, I was the breadwinner, the primary caregiver, doing everything, feeling resentful, and treating my husband like my fourth child. Yeah. Like just like micro, you know, managing him and not seeing him as my equal. And that's, I mean, obviously, then the romance just goes down the toilet. How does a marriage survive that? Mm. And so I've had to take responsibility for what I brought to that. Yeah. Right. And we've been able to do a lot of healing in our relationship because we still are always going to have a relationship. We have three kids together. Yeah. By both taking responsibility for how we contributed to that. Mm. But I think women are definitely expecting way too much of themselves. And I'm all for women empowerment. And I do consider myself a boss bitch and I'm proud of that. (laughs) But there comes a time where we do also have to surrender into our feminine energy and allow a man to help us and Mm. to actually be an equal in the partnership. Mm. And so the more successful we are, I find the less we allow that from our partner. Yeah. And so I definitely think if women were able to recognize that before the wheels started to come off, yeah. So marriages could be saved absolutely, or at least conclude in a more amicable fashion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me, I know you love Brene Brown, and I do too. She's amazing. And she did a book called Men, Women, and Worthiness. Okay. It's an audio book, and I've recommended it on the podcast before. And it really talks about the role of, and when we say men and women, we're just meaning the old school traditional way, like you are identifying as a woman, that's you. That's right. And what that means and how we want this, this strong man. But then if our man starts crying and we want them to speak about their emotions, but if they start crying, we don't know what to do with that. That's right. And if, you know, it's like this, what we want and what society is saying we want, and we want to make more money and we want to be boss bitches. But I also want to cry and have Hamish give me a hug and be like, don't treat me. Like this tough bitch that I know I am. I don't want to be her right now. <laughs> you know That's, I mean? That's right. So it can be really confusing if we don't know and we haven't uncovered that. And then if we have this societal expectation, you're so right. It's, it's really a, around allowing. And I remember back in the day when I was really unhealed and hadn't done any work on myself, I felt like I was hitting my husband over the head with my imaginary penis. I just felt so masculine, like yeah. to the extreme. And I remember one of my mentors saying, when you become really masculine, the other can only move into the feminine. That's right. They're not going to be masculine you know, they're like, oh, let me retract. And so, yeah, it's such a crazy thing now with us making more money and us being the boss of our lives. What do you feel when you see couples that are coming to you and working through? What do you have to say around communication? How are people communicating and are they communicating effectively? So communication
1: is the issue, right? Yeah. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. So what I'm working on my research at the moment is concentrating on archetypes, like divorce archetypes of how we communicate in a divorce. Oh, I love so that. <laughs> One breakup, right? It doesn't have to be divorce, any breakup. So we talk about love languages all the time, right? You know, there's the five languages. Yeah. We really don't talk about the different styles in terms of how people communicate when things go wrong. Mm. And so what I'm discovering is if you are aware of your communication style and then you are aware of the other person's communication style, then you can start to understand each other's triggers yeah, and start to move forward in a more productive way. If you get stuck in your position and you're not able to see, hang on, the other person sees things a different way, they communicate differently, they get triggered by different things. If you're not able to see that, then you're going to get stuck for a long time and the process is going to get drawn out, which just delays the healing. So true. So if you can have some insight, the idea is hopefully that like what I'm trying to create is a way that you can identify your style, identify the other person's style, and then come to an understanding of what's going to be the best way forward to get yourselves out of this.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like you have to really be flexible as opposed to rigid.
1: Yeah, which is hard for people because, you know, sometimes we've been in a relationship for many years and we just get stuck. Mm. And that's why I like to work in a holistic way and, you know, refer people off to all sorts of different things, even, you know, breath work, psychologists, naturopaths. Like, let's try and find a way to get ourselves stuck out of this Mm. mentality. Mm and if we can create a shift in mentality we can save tens of thousands if not a hundred thousand dollars of legal fees
0: yeah yeah that is so good like you're holistically doing it because you're right like if they're having an issue and one person is really upset and keeps bringing in in my program I call it ping pong and it's like yeah we broke up exactly. but I'm on the fucking court and I'm hitting the ball and I'm like well you said this and then he's like well fuck because you said that and I'm like put the fucking racket down and walk off the court. There's no game. If they hit you a ball and you're not there, but the fact that you, air quotes, broke up and then you had sex and now you're back and then you left a jacket there and then he messages you, then you're like, that one time. And then I'm like, what is all this fucking drama that's being created and what part of us gets wrapped up in walking back to the court and every day hitting that fucking ball and then complaining about it? And I'm like, you don't have to play that game. Like you can actually step off.
1: Reality is, you know, war. If we study like, you know, I like- yeah. I was really obsessed as a kid with war and revolutions. I don't know. Oh wow! I'm sort of a nerd. <laughs> a war can only start with the second person. Yeah. If one person makes an attack, and that second person does not react, there is yeah. no war. Starts with defense, right? Minute. So you you really have all control in that yeah. moment in terms of how you react. Yeah. But the idea is, take a pause. And CBT, I think, is really helpful cognitive behavioral therapy, which is to stop, take a pause, strip it back to the facts, okay? And really be intentional about how you respond. Mm. Take the heat out of the reaction. Mm. As simple as, do not respond that day. Sleep on it. Yeah. It's really not that difficult. Mm. And so that, I think, would help, yes, a lot of marriages, but a lot of divorces really stay on track and not end up being these full-fledged wars which are ultimately just hurting the children
0: yeah, yeah yeah and it's so true because it is when you have not been doing your own work when you work on yourself yeah everything benefits so it's work on yourself you're going to be better in your business you work on yourself you're going to be better in your marriage you'll be a better parent so you know it makes total sense and i love that you do that that you recommend Like, okay, you need a therapist and now maybe you can go do some yoga or you can self-care even. Like so many of the women that I see in my program feel bad. It's the Marta thing that you said, Mm. feel bad to take eight hours to come to a day to work on themselves, which in the end, that working on themselves is going to make them be a better partner, a better worker, a better wife, a better parent when they go home. So the selfish air quotes day is really to benefit them to be better in the world with the people that they interact with. And so it it makes total sense. When we
1: take care of women, the flow on effect Mm. is just unbelievable. And the thing is, you know, I don't really like the self-care movement when it comes to, you know, bubble bar. No. Massage. That's bullshit. (laughs) You know, like. Yeah. What women really need is space for their own thoughts, I think, Mm -hmm. as well. We run away from our own thoughts. Yeah. Sit in peace with yourself. Yeah. My self-care is every morning I sit on my balcony with my coffee before I address anything or anyone. Mm. It's just 10 minutes. Yeah. To sit alone with my thoughts and to set my intentions for the day in a peaceful way that's just with me. I'm not doing any mantras. I'm not doing any yeah. you know, woohoo stuff. It's just giving myself time before I give to others. That's yeah. yeah. So it can be as simple as that. And that can be a big
0: deal for someone with three small children to take that. 100%. You know? 100%. It's so hard when you don't have that. What do you say with divorce and the village and families and the village? Do you find that families that don't have that support system or family supporting them have a harder time? Or do you see anything in that in your research and the work you're doing? Absolutely. What I'm finding is I'm finding that
1: sometimes women have too many voices in their head. So what happens is when they're coming to make a decision, a legal decision, they've got everyone's opinion circling around in their mind. So they've got well-intentioned people who want to support them, which is beautiful. And I think we're really good as women at coming up with a village, right? Yeah. But I encourage them to choose one ride or die. Mm. And he's not going to tell you what you want to hear, but he's going to challenge you. Someone who really knows you and he's going to say to you, come on. Is that really worth it? Are you thinking clearly right now? Mm. On the flip side, I'm finding that men are totally isolated. Mm. Totally isolated, have no village. Yeah. Are finding their lawyer on Google, don't even feel comfortable to reach out to a mate and say, you know, which lawyer did you use? I'm struggling. Wow. And so most of my clients are women, 80%. And I love acting for women and, you know, like, I've explained that motivation comes from your mom. But some of my women get really upset when they hear that I act for men as well. And what I say to them is, imagine if I was acting for your ex-husband. Don't you think I could give him that reality check and I could get you there quicker and calm things down and get a settlement quicker? Mm. It benefits the whole family. Yeah, I act for a man. But I am worried about men. Yeah. I have to be honest, like, and I know that your audience is mainly women, but men are isolated. Mm. And so they're just, they're winging it on their own. And I, I have lost, you know, clients to suicide Yeah, because they're feeling overwhelmed and don't know what to do with themselves and they're feeling mm. lost. So I think we do need to think about the experience of men through divorce as well. Mm. I think is why a lot of men repartner very quickly. Yeah. Women are slower to repartner. And men feel that they really struggle on their own. So, you know, there are some men's circles and things like that that are starting up, which I think are good, as long as they're not, you know, about women bashing and hating yeah. women. So we've got to be careful there as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard for everyone. I am so fortunate to have a beautiful village, and I could not do it without my village, right? Yeah, because you're still a single of three. Like, single mom of three. And, you know, I have two children with autism and ADHD. Yeah. So I definitely need my village, rely on my village and appreciate it. And I think that's really important. But I think when it comes to making decisions and legal decisions in a divorce to choose a ride or die. Mm.
0: Because
1: when you're listening to your mom, your sister, your best friend, your hairdresser. <laughs> the I'm telling you. Lady. <laughs> the eyelash lady. Your nails technician. And then all of a sudden it's just too much. Yeah. So I always encourage my clients to bring in a
0: support person because mm. there's a lot to take in. Yeah. And being careful too. I think you could get your sister who had a sour divorce and all her mm. sour shit. And then they kind of almost like Projection. use their Yeah, like they use their experience to color your glasses. And then you're kind of like, Oh yeah, this is horrible. And I just from listening to you and knowing you and how you do this work, I'm like, oh, the word divorce feels like it's beautiful now. It doesn't feel so yucky. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you're starting to feel different from the word. And that's just from hearing how you, your meaning and your choice as to how you work with divorce versus what I know from life and TV and friends and experience already. Mm-hmm. Your experience and what you're sharing is coloring my glasses differently. So and you're right. We have to be careful who we're surrounding ourselves with during this time because. If your sister had 17 divorces and she's a negative person and hates men, you don't That's want to right. her as you ride it die. Yeah, because
1: I see it as a
0: completion of a chapter. Hmm. I really
1: think it's as simple as that. And to do that with dignity, Yeah, I mean, you can't buy that. That's peaceful, like inner harmony and peace. That's right. And then to move on to the next chapter in your life without carrying that resentment and that bitterness. Hmm you know you're giving that person that power in your space you know like in your head space why would you do that yeah you don't have to and you don't have to yeah (laughs) you can have that space you get to choose yeah there's only one person at the end of the day there is only one person that you wake up with every morning and go to sleep with every night right so you get to choose Mm. how much energy do you want to put towards other people and that resentment and that bitterness you get to choose and once people realize that they get to choose and they choose to take personal responsibility for their thoughts that's when everything just comes together it's it's beautiful when you see that click and I see it with my clients and they're like wow okay this has happened to me but I get to choose my future yeah and they get excited and they start dreaming again and start planning again and Mm. life comes back to them and it's just it's so exciting for me. Honor. That's really that's the <laughs> best part of my job. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I see you lighting up right now talking about that. Yeah. We have people that get multiple divorces and met like they're on divorce number three or four. Why does that happen? What do you see that happens there? And what needs to shift for that not to happen, do you think?
1: It's the fear of being alone, I think. So we jump into a new relationship, you know, sometimes before the last one's even finished. Mm because we're scared of being alone. Being alone means facing yourself. Yeah. People are scared to do that. I think it's really important. And, you know, let me tell you, I have dated. I got straight into the dating pool and I dated and I've been on every app. I'm an expert. Okay. (laughs) There's absolutely nothing wrong with dating. And I think that's great. But I really think you should be very cautious about jumping into a relationship. Mm. Okay. And so at least take a year to yourself to do that healing work. Doesn't mean you can't go have fun and date. That's fine. But take the time mm. to reflect on the previous chapter before you commence a new chapter. Yeah, People are scared to do that. People are scared. Yeah. I want to be alone. And then you just replace. You do the same shit, different face, but same. Yeah. And the reality is that love is not enough. It's not enough. You have to have those difficult conversations from the beginning how do you view life what are your goals in life how do you view parenting what are your thoughts on money like you've got to have those hard conversations mm. if you can't
0: don't pursue it if you can't yeah. have those conversations don't pursue it yeah it's like red flags from the beginning do not go and you mentioned to being alone I know that COVID would have been a massive time yeah for your industry yeah how did COVID or that time affect divorce or do you see that it didn't affect divorce?
1: So COVID has definitely had an impact on divorce rates. And divorce rates are definitely higher post COVID. What we don't record is the breakdown of de facto relationships, which really makes it, yeah, you know, much higher. And so people have been really kind of dirty on COVID for that. <laughs> and I have, you know, maybe a controversial opinion. What so what I saw, including myself. Is that before COVID, we were distracting ourselves, running around to extracurricular activities with Mm -hmm. the kids, saying yes to every social event under the sun, right? Working crazy hours and distracting ourselves from our relationship and our reality and the things that we weren't happy about. All of a sudden, we were locked in our homes and we had to face the things that we didn't want to face before. Yeah. And so I think that strengthened a lot of relationships in a beautiful way. People were able to reevaluate. people made some big decisions, people moved into state over fees, changed careers, and made real meaningful change in their life mm. to lead them on a better path of fulfillment. On the other hand, people were like, hang on, I've been unhappy in this relationship for a long time. And I'm distracting myself with workaholism, the gym, alcohol, drug, the kids, you know, and like some kids have got like five, six activities a week. And it's because we're distracting ourselves as a family, running around, running around. And all of a sudden you have to sit with that. From my experience, that's what people struggle with the most is just sitting with themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you have to face, hang on, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And so that's where a lot of marriages had to end And I think people were actually able to do it a lot more amicably. Mm. They couldn't run away from one another and they had to sit there and have difficult conversations and work through things. They couldn't just run off and live somewhere else. They were (laughs) stuck in their houses. So I actually saw an increase in amicable separations in my business Wow, because they couldn't just write lawyer letters back and forth because they were stuck together in the house. They actually had to have a conversation. Mm. which is a hell of a lot cheaper yeah you know I was happy about it and I encouraged it mm. if there was something that they were really stuck on I'm like you know maybe try and have a conversation about it that was a novel idea <laughs> you know wow well, yeah I do think it was good for that and now we have the flow on effect that obviously we're in very difficult times now the interest rates are really putting a lot of pressure on families Hmm. And so I do think that we're, you know, leading into another kind of wave of separation. A lot of fixed interest rates are now going to be ending, and that's going to put a lot of pressure. Houses are going to need to be sold. And so when the house is sold, it's like, okay, well, then what's keeping us in the house together anymore? Let's just do it now. Yeah. I think there will be a,
0: a second wave, which is unfortunate. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's actually really true. I didn't think about that. I used to think the number one reason people divorced was money, but then like through looking at things, it seemed like it was a change of values. What do you see as like one of the top reasons that people divorce? I think that coping with pressure
1: of life. Yeah. Life is not easy. Mm. And when we start out at a relationship without kids, without a mortgage, without all those pressures, things are easier to cope with. And then we start layering on the pressure and we get stuck in that rat race. Okay, Mm -hmm. we've got the house. Well, we need a bigger house. We need a better car. We need this. The kids need to go to private school. They need to do ballet, soccer, this, this, this. And we start putting so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah, We crumble. Mm -hmm. So I really, I think we need to simplify things. I think we're chasing these things because, well, we're indoctrinated to. That's the reality, right? Yeah. But we need to strip it back to hang on. What is actually important? And when we started this relationship, what was important to us back then? Mm. And I think that's the only chance that people have is to try and reassess their values together yeah, and slow things down in terms of trying to chase that never-ending goal. Yeah. And we're never satisfied by it. now it's wild. The house is never big enough. The car is never new enough. And if we just stop and reassess that, I think that
0: would really benefit us as a society overall. But mm. not easy. It's yeah. It's it's that question you said before, like, what are you doing this for? Like, And it's such a powerful reflection to really look at, you know, what are we actually chasing? Where are we actually, COVID for me was the best because I realized I would rush my kids out in the morning so much. Like, yeah. whoa, calm the fuck down. We're just going to school yeah. and it's right next door. Our school wasn't far. It was like, ah. And then that. That's that, the worst that can happen. I know. That, like, nervous system energy that I was. And our children fully pick up your nervous system. Your nervous system is the number one attraction. And so I'm in this anxious state. What happens? The rest of the kids start feeling it. The whole house is rushing around. Then people cut you off. You're angry. And this whole crazy energy that's not necessary was happening. And so that's when we started Power Couples in COVID. Because I was like, I'm seeing my whole program All the women in my program, this shit is getting real hairy here. A lot of people are complaining and fighting and crying in the, you know, shopping center parking lot. And I'm like, oh lord, like we need to do something because we don't know how to be with our shit. We don't know how to be with other people in our houses, shit, and not be able to escape and numb out. And I think it was a great time to show us, like, this is your shadow. This is the shit that you run from every day, and you got to look in the mirror and there it is, baby. And that is the key word for me. Yeah. The shadow side that we really
1: struggle to accept in ourselves. Mm. And if we started to get comfortable with asking ourselves, what's our true motivation here? Mm. That's the shadow side, right? Yeah. And no one wants to accept that in ourselves, but we all have it and it's okay. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And it's about working with it and saying, hang on, what's my true motivation here? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can really pare it back and start to really make some progress with the healing. It doesn't mean that your marriage is going to be saved, and it's okay if it doesn't. Yeah. The work you do on yourself is just going to have an exponential kind of flow-on effect to everyone else in
0: your life. Yeah, it's so true. I remember Dr. Wayne Dyer, he helped me a lot. He passed away, but he helped me with my anger. He's kind of like a Deepak Chopra or Byron Katie, like spiritual leader. And I remember him saying that unconditional love doesn't exist in this consciousness that we're at right now like no. it's a cute thing that we want to have unconditional love but if we're honest we're not conscious enough as a society collectively we're, we're just we're not evolved like we think we are yet and so right. it's like yeah unconditional love but if hamish goes and fucks another woman that's right I love him still unconditionally if yeah. my child does something that i do not want him to do unconditional. That's unconditional, by the way, that your man sticks his dick in someone else and you're like, I love that for you, baby, because I love you. (laughs) You know, as if, right? So you just go, if you go back to the core of who we are, which you said in the beginning, which was so beautiful as a loving human nature is we love, we are lovers. And if I genuinely go back to the love I have for my husband, and if I know that we're not going to be together, and if I take from him, that's going to hurt him. If I go to my core, not my fucking dirty anger ego, but if I go to my core, which is love, do I want to hurt him? I don't, I don't want to hurt him. And so going to this self work and doing this work on yourself and looking at your shadow and asking all these questions that Danny's so freaking amazingly presented here, takes you back to your core, which is you're a kind human being that's about love. And when you let go of all the other bullshit, that's how you can amicably actually go, you know what, this is ending and I don't have to be an asshole. And I don't have to get revenge and I don't need you to suffer in order for me to be happy. Like I need to be right so you could be wrong. And then I feel good about that because it, you it don't feel like shit when you make someone wrong and it's hurtful. So, yeah, I think it's such a fresh approach that you have. I've never heard anyone speak about it in this way. And no wonder you're so damn busy, woman.
1: <laughs> well, I think people are ready for it. I yeah. Think. I think people are screaming out for it. You know, like the media has really portrayed divorce as this war of the roses. Yeah. I think people are like, surely there's got to be another way. And there is. There really is. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. Like yeah. People people worry about, oh, am I being weak, trying to be friendly? No, you're not. Yeah. You're being strong and saying, instead of putting this in the hands of strangers and spending hundreds of thousands, I'm going to take control. I'm going to take personal responsibility and i'm going to sort this out like an adult mm. in a mature
0: and calm way and move on with my life mm. with dignity it's just yeah i love it it's like divorce done differently this doesn't have to be this horrible scary thing anymore yeah oh i love it you are the best yeah, thank you thank you so much for this work and even better that you have a personal story because I don't want to come see you. I love you, but I'm not no, coming to see you. You're <laughs> not coming to see me. Himish ain't get now ever enough. He's <laughs> wonderful. Like, if I ever had to, like, I would want to know that you have that story and that understanding and that lived experience from all those aspects. And now all the clients you've served and all mm-hmm. the years of experience, I mean, I just Just, want to to acknowledge you for that, like acknowledge your work and your beautiful team and the love and the care you put into it. And I can't wait for your book to come out because women, men, anyone who's moving through this needs to know this, needs to know that it doesn't have to be messy and hard and horrible and expensive and scary, you know, and that it can be this holistic, beautiful. To me, it sounds like it's like a self journey of growth, like how gorgeous you grew, your ex-husband grew, your children are flourishing from it. Like, yeah, what a win. And they're teaching their friends and they talk about it really openly, about how mum and dad are still best friends. And Wow. It's possible, yeah. Oh, Danny, I love you. You're the best so much. Where can we find you? My American clients are going to be sad you don't live in America, but how can people find you, learn more, contact you, get your book, all of that? We're on Instagram. We've
1: got a website. So my firm is called respectlegal.com.au. And even for people all around the world, I'm always happy to help to connect them with the right
0: lawyer that has got the same ethics and mentality that I do. So yeah, happy to help. You are the bomb. I'm going to put all the links into the show notes. And as soon as your book comes out, you got to come back and tell us about the book. (laughs) Thank you, gorgeous woman. Thanks, darling. Thank you so much for listening. I freaking love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your ears and your energy and your attention. Thank you for letting me into your world. And thank you so much for listening and tuning in to this podcast. There are so many podcasts you can listen to. And I deeply, deeply, for real, for real, appreciate you listening to mine. Do me one big favor. One big thing. Please share this episode or this podcast podcast with a woman who you know needs to hear this. This is my mission on planet Earth to serve as many women as possible so that we could show up, stand up, speak up and create the confidence in the life that we desire. I appreciate you, my love. I will see you on the next episode.